It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Vancouver picks up the rebound. They cannot clear. Held in nicely by Bonino to Gregor. Sends it off the right boards. Carlson will stop it. Whips it rink-wide. Moving in. Cut in the shot. That's blocked. Carlson stops it on the right wing half boards. Moves away from Lazar. Sends it in front. They star! Luke Cunning ties the game 3-3 off a brilliant pass from Eric Carlson. 5.15 to go. And Cunning showing his worth in tonight's game with a big, big goal. Back to oh, Meyer. Oh, no. They were both trying to change. Meyer's going to have to stay out. Meyer gave it away. Here's a headman feed for Hughes. He's got a tired Meyer out there to deal with. Meyer staying with him. Hughes dropping back. This could be trouble for the Sharks. But Miller loses on the check to Meyer and comes back, and the Canucks need to change, too. Timo's got to get off the ice here. There he goes, finally. Oh, boy. Oh, no, a headman feed. Kuzmenko has got a breakaway. Bennett going in. He did. Kuzmenko scores. The Sharks get caught on the change. Kuzmenko hanging out at the Sharks' blue line. Looked like he was onside when he took that pass. And Vancouver wins it in overtime, 4-3. to three. A lost point for the Sharks on this play. Well, I liked a lot about our game tonight. You know, disappointing that we lose in overtime. Uh, a couple breakdowns in the D zone that normally we don't make. They capitalize on it. But I just liked our tempo for the most part all night long. I thought, listen, that's a good hockey team. I know what their record is. But you look at that lineup. They got, they got a lot of good players. And uh, I liked a lot about our game. I thought we certainly looked a lot better and played a lot better than we did the, in the previous night. And, uh, you know, had some great chances. Their goalie played well. And, you know, tie it late again. Great sign from us from a mental standpoint with being mentally tough and not, you know, we've got some, some resolve in us, and that's going to carry a long way. But as you said, it would be nice to get two instead of one. All right. Good afternoon, everyone, as we get ready for some afternoon hockey. Yeah, this is uh, my favorite part of when the Sharks go in the Eastern time zone is we get afternoon hockey to break up the doldrums of the day. Hopefully you took the day off to go watch the United States men's national team. And then when you're done with that game, well, look, you're at home. You'll already be able to watch Sharks hockey in the comfort of your home. Hopefully uh, that's what I recommend doing. I am not a doctor, but there's a... Uh, you know, there's a there's a good chance that, you know, you won't get sick being at home today. Whereas, you know, if you're in work at the office and not watching games, you could get sick. Again, I am not a doctor, but I am offering my professional medical opinion that you should uh, go home and watch sports all day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this this is another one for the Sharks, which, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see which way it goes. Because right now for the Sharks, if there's one thing that we all agree on is that over the course of a game, the Sharks do a lot of things really, really well. They can defend well. They can forecheck well. They can be very good on the penalty kill. At times, their power play has taken great strides this year. We've got Eric Carlson playing at an extremely high level. And the problem is, is that they just find ways to lose. And I think that's the difference between 
you know, what we've seen before with the Sharks where I've kind of made that joke of, you know, they're just good enough to lose. It's like, that's like, yeah, it's like they're in it till they're not. But the thing with the Sharks this year is that, you know, if you watch that overtime the other night, I just felt like they were completely disorganized and completely out of um, sort with each other. And it was very discombobulated and there were some bad changes and they just, they found a way to lose that game instead of finding a way to win it. And that's been a repetitive tale throughout the course of this season up to this point. I mean, we look at, you know, the way that some of these games have gone where they've had leads up to nothing on Chicago, uh, you know, coming back to take a lead against Vegas at home before surrendering three straight goals and losing four, two. And they, you know, surrendered five straight versus a team like Vegas back on the 25th. Like there have just been far too many instances like that, where we have watched the sharks just let a game get away from them. And it feels like they are finding ways to lose. And, you know, you look at the game against L.A. the other night. James Reimer has two uncharacteristic goals slip through, and, you know, he's on the IR now, so maybe that had something to do. Maybe his mobility was, um, you know, hindered in terms of trying to get down and stop that puck. I don't know. All I know is that those were very uncharacteristic goals for James Reimer to let through in terms of what we've seen with the Sharks. But that's part of what the Sharks are consistently doing right now. Like, they're finding weird things to happen. They're turning the puck over. They're just doing things at different points of the game that negate all of the good they are doing. And it's something that I frequently talk about, the importance of being able to put yourself in a position that allows you to have that level of success and build off of what you've done that's high quality. Like if you have a good period, it feels like you want to have an even better period in the next period and score and build and be able to control the game. But it feels like the Sharks will play very well for a number of shifts only to have a couple of shifts kind of lose it and see it all fall apart. And it's, again, it's very, very odd. It's not what we are used to seeing from this Sharks team. I mean, last year it felt like if the Sharks were going to get beat, they were going to get beat. Like that was the way the game went. Like there were times where they were outclassed and outmatched. If you go back to the abbreviated 2021 season, um, you know, they let in a lot of soft goals. Martin Jones was not having a good year and you could see the shoulders slump and it felt like, this again, something I've talked about before is they were not being rewarded for their efforts or there was a sense of, well, it doesn't matter how, how hard we play. We're going to let in goals. You go back before that to the 2019, 2020 season, which was cut short by the pandemic early on in that year, the sharks were showing some of the signs of what we see now, right? Like they took leads in games to watch it disappear. Obviously the goaltending situation wasn't great at that point. They were still kind of in the mindset of where they had to outscore all their opposition like we saw in the 2018-2019 season and then the injuries started piling up before the pandemic shut everything down but you know there were the the first signs of this being part of the Sharks DNA back in that 2019 season I I want to say that in Bob Bugner's first game and I feel like it was against Nashville like the Sharks took a lead only to watch it you know kind of disappear later in the game like these are the things that I am wondering about in terms of how long it's going to take to correct because if we also look ahead at what's you know coming for the Sharks. They've got to make sure that these bad habits do not kind of permeate into the next generation. And I know that you know there's probably a reason why they're not bringing up the William Ecklins and the Thomas Bordelos right now because they don't want them to be a part of the losing that is going on right now. They don't want it to imprint on their game. But at the same time, William Eklund did play at the start of a year ago and we saw you know Thomas Bordelow at the end of last year. So I don't think it is the worst thing in the world. 
But I do think there are concerns about where these guys' heads are at, where they're at mentally, what they feel is the consistent and maybe not acceptable is the right term, but what they can expect from the team as we get deeper and deeper into our, um, you know, the overall consistency of what we see from the San Jose Sharks. I mean, there is a culture, there is a standard, there are many things that come into play. And I don't think that anybody with the Sharks right now, like Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, Eric Carlson, like these guys understand exactly what the Sharks are all about. They've been in the big games. They've played throughout the, you know, the the upper echelon of the hockey world, many of them in Stanley Cup finals, many of them in conference finals. I mean, they know exactly what it takes. And obviously that extends to guys like Nico Sturm and Nick Benino who have been there and done that as well. And right now you just want to make sure that whatever the team is going through does not carry on to the next generation. And that's very hard to do because you are actively developing the next generation right now. And, you know, right now everyone's looking for answers as well. And I think that, you know, Mike Greer is probably looking at what's happening and is wondering why these games are slipping away, just like David Quinn is, just like Logan Couture is, just like Eric Carlson is. I mean, this is not what we expect to see from the San Jose Sharks. And it is a consistent factor as well. And it's got to be eliminated from their game. And that might take time and it might mean that more changes are coming. Like I, I do wonder when a greater message will be sent to this team, if the results keep on going this way. And I don't know if that is going to be a trade. I don't know if that is going to be a benching. I don't know what that is going to be, but you know, I think many of us are, are waiting for the other shoe to drop because we've heard so much talk and so much chatter of what's going on behind the scenes. We've heard that everybody, but Tomas Hurdle is potentially a trade target. And I think that everybody just has to wonder, you know, what is going to happen next for this team. And I'm sure that Mike Greer is probably looking at the collection of attitudes and personalities and seeing how guys are responding to adversity and seeing what David Quinn and his coaching staff are doing to put the Sharks in greater areas for success as they get deeper into the year and into games and the adjustments they're making. Like there's a lot going on right now. Like I, I watch the Sharks and I just think that there is so much to try and take in because there's high quality play. There are mental mistakes. There is a defenseman who's off to a, you know, a near record setting start. There are just so many things that come at you from all different angles, but we know that the end result is a loss more often than not. I mean, there's a reason why the sharks are where they are right now. It's not getting better. It's maybe in some ways getting worse, even though we thought that it was trending in the right direction after winning three out of four on the road. And we don't know what's going to happen next. Like I, you know, the Sharks are on a four game road trip right now, and maybe they do go out and win the majority of these games, win three out of four, or win, you know, four out of four. Maybe it's two out of four. Maybe it's one out of four, none out of four. Like I don't know right now. I don't think anybody knows. The Sharks right now sit at seventh in the Pacific Division. They have 18 points, three back of Vancouver and Calgary. Uh, six back of Edmonton, nine back of LA, 11 back of Seattle, and 17 back of Vegas. But the one thing we've talked about is the Sharks have missed anywhere or let slip away anywhere from, you know, five to 12 points this year. You give them five more points and suddenly they're only a point back of fourth place Edmonton and it changes the entire discussion, which is again, what makes it so frustrating. If then we go and look at the wild card discussion right now, we see that you know, Edmonton and Minnesota are at the top with 24 and 22 points. Well, if the Sharks are able to get five more points, 
then they're right there in the wild card discussion. You think, well, they're not that far off. And you start wondering about short-term success versus long-term and getting the best draft pick possible. And I know there's a lot of people who want Bedard. I I don't know if I'm a believer in Bedard in terms of him being a player that's going to be you know, truly upper echelon, next level, take team to the Stanley Cup, completely you know, top-tier talent. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I, I can't say for certain because there's obviously so much that happens in a player's development, but it does feel like the Sharks are trending toward the need for change. And I don't know if that's bringing up more players from the Barracuda. I don't know if that means a trade. I don't know if that means benchings. I don't I don't know what it is right now, but there are there are a lot of things grow, going wrong that contrast the things going right. I mean, even the other night, they, they fought to get back into that game. Now, they couldn't hold on to a lead, but they still fought back you know, and sent it to overtime and got a point when all was said and done. Like those are big moments over the course of a game and that you feel like you have momentum on your side and that you feel like you can build upon. But then on the other side of it, you watch, you know, just really a lackluster effort in the overtime period and you lose. And it's kind of like, well, what was all that fight for? And it's not just about, you know, blowing your wad and not having the energy to carry you later in the game. I didn't feel like it was one of those instances. It just felt like the Sharks entered it mentally defeated they didn't have anything to push they didn't have anything to fall back upon and it you know lent itself to what I felt was a very discouraging and poor effort and I you know I I only say that about the overtime period because it just looked discombobulated there's no other way that I could try and expect what was going to happen in that period and it just looked very again it looked disorganized it looked like no one was on the same page and that shouldn't be happening when you're 24 games into the season especially when you've had as many overtime games as the sharks have had up to this point especially when you've had the opportunity um you know to work on it and you've got eric carlson out there is one of the great open ice free skaters in the league even if he's not quite what he used to be i still like my chances with eric carlson on the ice in any overtime period in the nhl i love what that potentially gives you. Same thing with having Timo out there, Tomas Hurdle. Like, they have weapons. They have guys who can go out there and win you a game. And again, while I think about these things of the potential changes and why I think about things that haven't gone right or have not gone the way we've expected them to, I'm sure Greer is thinking about these things as well. And I'm sure the players are thinking about these things as well. There's no way that they don't hear about what is going on. I remember one of my favorite moments um, that... I can remember in recent um, San Jose history, it was an earthquakes press conference after a game. There had been a lot going on on social media and just a lot of hubbub was when the earthquakes were close to firing their coach this past year. And Tommy Thompson said, well, guys, players see social media as well. And it was just kind of such a deadpan response, like they weren't aware, you know, like, like we were asking these questions like they weren't exactly aware of everything that was being said, of all the different things that, you know, the conjecture and the the ponderance and everyone trying to figure out what was going to happen next. And it's like, yeah, the players, whether or not they're trying to seek it out, it's going to be presented to them one way or another. I mean, that's just where the world is in terms of our flow of information. They don't have to seek it out. Someone's going to tell them. They could just be going on Instagram just to look at, you know, Instagram models and hockey highlights, and they're going to see it anyway. And that's why I think that they probably wonder, you know, when the other shoe is going to drop. But the best way to keep that shoe from dropping or change from happening is to go out there and win some games. Let's get into some sound out of this morning. Head coach David Quinn weighing in on what he thinks of Montreal. Well, listen, I know, uh, you know, they had a tough year last year. Marty did a hell of a job coming in and kind of resetting it and, 
you know, they get the first pick and there's a lot of excitement here. And, you know, from, you know, from Jeff to, uh, to Kent to, to Marty, they've done a heck of a job in a short period of time of making their impact. And, you know, they've got a dangerous group of forwards. I think the defensemen are better than people give them credit for. And you know, I'm not surprised they're in the situation they're in. You know, I think they're exceeding people's expectations. And I think, uh, you know, when you've got Marty as a coach and the management team that they've put in place, uh, they've done a really good job of writing the ship in a hurry. And, of course, it's Montreal. They're in Canada, so people are going to be talking about Eric Carlson because he is having such an incredible star turn to this, you know, I guess we can't even call it a start to the season. I mean, this just feels like who he is right now. He's coming off another multi-point game. This is what Quinn had to say. Well, uh, he's been special, that's for sure. And uh, one of the things that I think he's kind of embraced is a new responsibility with where we're at as an organization. And not only what you're seeing on the ice, but, you know, the things that – uh, he's done away from the rink. Uh, you know, when you've, you, you're the, the, the impactful player that he is, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. And, you know, he's just been phenomenal on and off the ice. And again, that's one of the more frustrating parts of this year is that this is the Eric Carlson we'd all been hoping we'd get to see more consistently in his time with the Sharks. And injuries have definitely played a toll in terms of keeping him from being that player consistently. But right now, I mean, every single time Eric Carlson has the puck on his stick, it feels like something exciting might happen. I mean, the stick handling he did the other night, some of the skating he's been displaying as of lately, the way he's feeding pucks in, I mean, that assist to Cunning was just unbelievable. That was such a nice pass, and he set it up, and he saw it. He created the play, and it's just so fun to watch somebody at the top of their game like that. I mean, we get spoiled in the Bay Area because we get to see a lot of star athletes, um, but watching Eric Carlson right now and the what the things that he's doing, it's just it's so much fun. It's so cool to see. It really does make you feel like anything can happen any single time that he's on the ice. And, you know, more often than not, it, feel like he, it feels like he is making something incredible happen. Well, yeah, just, you know, from a leadership standpoint, you know, he's 32 years old now. Things have changed in our organization an awful lot. There's opportunity for him to really kind of take hold of our team and kind of lead it in a different way than he probably has before. And he certainly has embraced that. And this was something I think we were all wondering and waiting to see how he would adjust in the post-Brent Burns world. And, you know, we've talked about this Sharks being a very different team because there's, you know, if we look at some of the cast of characters that were here when Carlson arrived. You had Joe Pavelski, team legend. You had Joe Thornton, team legend. You had Brent Burns, team legend. And then you had Patrick Marlowe come back in year number two, who was also a team legend. I mean, those are some of the biggest names in the history of the San Jose Sharks that Eric Carlson, I won't necessarily say that he was in the shadow of, but I mean, that's that's where the focus was as much as Eric Carlson was a star. And now Eric Carlson, I think, feels more of the onus of this team being on his shoulders. And I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I... I've wanted to see Eric Carlson kind of take on more of the onus and take on more of the necessity to up his game. And I feel like that's what he's done. And I, I do feel like last year we would have really seen more Eric Carlson. And I will be honest, overall, the only time Eric Carlson to me has really not lived up to my expectations was the abbreviated 2021 season. I thought that that was just him not having a good year. I don't know where he was mentally. I don't know how the pandemic was affecting him. That's it's hard to look at that season as anything more than an aberration because, you know, when he got hurt in the 2019-2020 season, he was the points leader, I want to say. If you look at what he did when he was healthy in 2018-2019, he was phenomenal. Um, you know, last year before he got hurt, he was phenomenal. Um, and this year, he's picking up right where he left off, and he's just playing at an exceptionally high level. And you would hope that playing in Montreal tonight in one of the, you know, most 
notable places in hockey that he's going to have a performance that's going to make Canada talk and it's going to make the hockey world talk. And if that happens, there's a good chance the Sharks will be in a better possession to win. I won't say it will put them in a position to win, but it'll give them a better chance because there have been multiple times this year where our Carlson has had multi-point games and it hasn't led to a win. But you hope that the Sharks are able to capitalize upon this tonight against a Montreal team that is going to put up a very tough fight. All right, we are out of time. Be sure to join us at 3.30 for live pregame coverage right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.